in April, like there was nobody on the street. I was driving and I could only see like two other cars driving. And I think for me, it was like scary and weird at the same time. And I would ask myself, like, what the hell? Like, you know, it, it took me time to really absorb what, what like, you know, this pandemic, what was going on. I'm Danny Valant, and this is Dirty Linen, the podcast that takes the issues the hospitality industry finds hard to air in public and shakes them all about. For the last couple of weeks on Dirty Linen, we've been travelling around the world talking to people who are, invo- who are involved in the food world on every corner of the globe. I was initially going to travel the world for a week, then it turned into a fortnight, and because there are just always more things to discover and more places to go with our ears, uh, I'm going to do it for another week. So we are going today to Mumbai and we're chatting to Pratik Sadhu. Pratik, uh, I've been lucky enough to eat at Pratik's restaurant, Mask, in Mumbai. It's a tasting menu restaurant. It's super innovative um, and it showcases, I mean, it's very contemporary. Pratik can tell it, say it better than me, but it showcases ingredients from the north of India. And when I was there, it was dishes using ingredients foraged in Ladakh in the far, far north of India. So Pratik, welcome to Dirty Linen and thank you so much for having a chat to us today. Thank you so much, Danny. You know, it's a pleasure. Um, and especially, you know, with the times that we are in, it's just lovely to talk to people around the world, your friends, and, um, you know, you know that you know, everybody's looking for that sense of comfort. Um, so, yeah, so it's such a pleasure to, to be talking to you. Yeah, it's so true. And I think food people, we can always find a point of connection. There's always stuff to get excited about together. And I certainly got really excited in your restaurant and in your kitchen. Um, but yeah, at the moment, we really need as much solidarity as we can find. So yeah, tell me about the situation in Mumbai at the moment. Um, you know, uh, t- technically right now we're in a lockdown situation um, because cases are increasing, uh, you know, by the day. And uh, we've, we've shut the restaurant uh, in March, March 17th, we closed the restaurant down and uh, we're not being able to open the restaurant. So it's around four, four and a half months that uh, we are in lockdown and try really trying to survive. Um, and it's been it's been hard. It's been difficult. I think it's been really tiring mentally and physically because, you know, you're constantly thinking of um, how to survive. Uh, how can I save my restaurant? I think that's the biggest question that that we are asking right now. And it is also not about just saving the restaurant. You know, there's so many people involved. Um, it is your team members. There are vendors who are dependent on you. There are farmers who are dependent on you. And like, there's so many things. And I think, you know, when you think about everything, you think about the entire ecosystem that you built around the restaurant, shutting down, you know, it, that's not an option. So, so since few months, we've started delivery system. Um, because, you know, I, I woke up one day and I was like, you know, if I have to save the restaurant, um, I got to do something, you know, I got to just unlearn everything, whatever, whatever I've been doing and start fresh. So, so we started delivery system and, uh, and takeaways and, and since mask, the kind of food that we do at mask cannot travel well, we thought, I think the first question that I asked myself was what does, what comforts me? So I think my, my initial reaction was towards comfort food. So we started doing ramen. We started doing Kashmiri food. Kashmiri food is, I'm, I'm, I'm from Kashmir. It's, it is a northern part of, uh, it's a region in the northernmost part of India. 
and uh, I started doing the lamb curries. I started doing some special like rice and meat things. So, so I think that's what we've been doing and surviving. Um, you know, it was you know in order to in order to save the restaurants, you got to do what you got to do. Mm. It's so uh, so hard to imagine Mumbai in lockdown. I mean, it is such a city of street life of going places it's um it's such a diverse city uh, it, i mean what is it like there at the moment um i'll tell you like you know from we started deliveries in around april and i think april was our time where like everything was shut and it was so weird uh to get out of the get out of the get out of your house and drive because you know the the bombay that i know the mumbai that i know is is bustling with people. It's bustling with energy. Like there are people around. There, there. I'm sure you know. Like you know, people are honking. There are like things going on. There's like it's a busy, busy city. Imagine New York multiplied by ten. You know, that's that's how I would explain Mumbai. So, so I mean, in April, like there was nobody on the street. I was driving. I was driving, and I could only see like two other cars driving. And I think for me, it was like scary and weird at the same time. And I would ask myself, what the hell, like, what the hell? Like, you know, it, it took me time to really absorb what, what, like, you know, this pandemic, what was going on. So, I mean, now small businesses just started opening up and you can see like, you know, Mumbai just getting back on its feet in a way, um, but not really. Because since restaurants are shut, bars are shut. So, it, you know, it's, uh, you know, we need restaurants about to open in Mumbai, especially. Well, I mean, uh, it, it, a lot of people wouldn't be cooking at home, really. Like a lot of people, are, you know, there's life on the street, there's food on the street. It's like everything happens um, outside of, of the homes. So I just can't really, I just find it really so difficult to imagine. But I, I guess it's impossible for all commerce to stop in India. But then at the same time, the cases, I think India is just around 3 million coronavirus cases. So it's it's like, I think it's like US, Brazil, India, like it's really pretty bad. Um, yeah. I mean, what does it feel like to, to be there when the, it's it just seems like it's a two impossible situations. See, M- Mumbai is like uh, I would say, like Mumbai is the epicenter of um, like it is food and beverage. Like it runs the economy of the country. Honestly, stock exchanges there, and Mumbai being on standstill has really hampered like every business directly or indirectly, and and especially now, I would, you know, for the last two three months, I've seen like so many small businesses also coming up. Um, in in Mumbai, be it like a food business or e-commerce business, but it's still weird that uh, you know the entire ecosystem of of Mumbai has has come to a standstill. Uh, just talking about the restaurants, um, you know, I feel right now every restaurant that possibly is in Mumbai is doing food deliveries, but at the same time, there's so many restaurants shutting down right now, also. Really. So so I think that's that's quite scary. Uh, because Mumbai's exactly, I would always compare Mumbai to New York because uh, in New York, like every corner, you'll have a have a restaurant and the diversity. You'll have a Korean restaurant, and then you have this amazing Thai restaurant, and then amazing British restaurant. So there's so much diversity in New York, and exactly it's the same here. There's so many amazing restaurants doing some really cool regional food, and some like you know food from other other parts of the world, uh, and it's sad to see them shutting shops. 
so you know there's a sense of like in in the chefs and restaurants like you know there's a certain sense of like fair like what will happen because you know I, like the clarity is not there in a lot of things and i think it has to do with the government as well mm yeah well, well i think also similar to new york a lot of the restaurants in mumbai have a lot of um tourists a lot of international visitors coming to them and i'm sure mask is one of those places um has that been a big part of your business that's that's not there at the moment yeah i mean you know if i if i travel back to january this year um uh, uh january we got to know that we like you know we we would be in 50 best list and we have to travel to japan this year and you know just things started like changing for us uh and we could we, we would like anyways our our uh, our foreign business like there were so many travelers coming into mumbai and eating with us that would make like 60 to 65% of our business wow like every every single day and after the news broke out we were 50 best we our reservation started like getting filled up like at least like 2 months in advance and i would i mean we had these plans of doing so many amazing things i had these travel plans um actually i mean i think right now is supposed to travel to new zealand uh for a, for a festival uh just this time of the year and things were just looking great like this was january february march and suddenly like <clears throat> from starting your year with like such big plans and in like months of time you know you're you're locking the doors of the restaurant it was just it was i mean it was shocking for us like it it really took us time to really understand the gravity of the situation because initially it was like you know you're if you don't know how to swim and you know somebody throws you into the sea you're just trying to figure out how to swim and trying to stay afloat and trying to survive and i think that was our our condition now like from from april to april to this month um so so i mean i don't know if we open and when we open um since there's no travel there's no people coming into mumbai for a lot of reasons be it leisure or 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 just like just traveling professionally um we have to we really have to think about a strategy um as to how we will just survive or how we are going to change uh you know the setup of mask without disturbing its ethos because i don't want to disturb the ethos that we are based on and i think keeping same in mind i just have to change a little bit of structure um so that you know we get we get more people in what do you mean by that like cuz i mean when if i think back to my beautiful evening at mask it's it's quite spacious like i think in terms of the distancing rules that you might have it might be okay but it, it's i mean it is a restaurant that relies on you and your team traveling to um different parts of the country to source ingredients so maybe that could be a challenge is what kinds of things are you are sort of going through your mind i think there are a lot of things that i've been thinking and with pandemic in um i would have never thought uh, you know doing uh, burgers because um we started thinking uh, for our menu for the delivery system and thought you know why don't we do really good amazing burgers and tacos wow <laughs> yeah we worked on our uh, you know the burger patty like it took really like at least a month to really figure out you know a lot of things like buns and this and that um and now we our burgers are quite popular and like we are selling a lot of burgers and tacos um and you know i was just talking to my friend the other day and he was like dude like why didn't you open a burger shop and i was like mm, no maybe not because because maybe in a month's time we'll open the restaurant and we'll get busy so it just stuck me that 
you know, while I was thinking about changing this, when I say the structure, I was like, okay, let's do a smaller tasting menu format so that we can turn the tables in. Um, and the way we serve also, maybe we'll get three, four cold courses together and then a couple of courses together, like, you know, sharing uh, plates. Uh, do course-wise menus, but we'll just divide those courses into probably three servings. So four first, four first, four first, and then maybe two desserts at the end. So that the interaction is like, interaction is there, but like, you know, you're not going constantly with every course on the table. Um, and then um, I had this, I have this bar table. I call it, a, it's like a monolith table, like a sort of a community table. Um, and I was thinking, why, why, why don't I just do burgers to start with? So if you have to reserve a table, if you just want to swing by, have a beer, and you can also grab a burger but without disturbing the other dining room. So I have two like sort of parallel things going on without dis disturbing anything. People who want to dine in um, for like multi-course menu, they're also there doing tasting menus and also side by side, I'm also doing that because I don't expect, I mean, I would expect 65% of my business to be less initially to start with. So how do I manage to just make sure like, you know, I get the revenue in so that I can just be able to survive. For me, the idea is to survive it's not about making money this year. I mean, that's 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 thrown out of the window completely. How can I survive is the biggest question. Um, you know, I think if you're surviving, you're doing great. <laughs> Definitely. So tell me a bit more about the burger. What's it made from? So right now we have, uh, we did like an Indian style um, fried chicken uh, with spice. So we brine our chicken uh, in uh, spices, uh, but and a lot of buttermilk. Because buttermilk is a very popular drink. Spicy buttermilk is a very popular drink um, in India with a lot of spices, with chilies, uh, fresh coriander, coriander seeds, black salt. So we thought, you know, let's let's brine the chicken. It's like a buttermilk chicken, but like an Indian-style buttermilk chicken. And then, so we do wet brine first, and then we do dry rub, like all the spices on top, and then we, and we then fry it. So like nice and crispy and juicy and like spicy. We love spice. <laughs> so That sounds so good. Yeah. <laughs> just, I'm, just, I'm just salivating over yeah. here, but yeah, sounds and great. And then we thought, um, you know, uh, uh, in, in Mumbai, there's a very famous bread called Pao, P-A-O. And uh, we thought, you know, let's do a cross between a Hokkaido milk bun and Pao. So we, we managed to get a cross of Pao and milk bun, like which is super soft and fluffy. Um, and... Uh, and it was just like this amazing, like a soft bun with like a, a spicy mayo and like this like f crispy fried chicken and moist inside and like with some pickles. Uh, it, was, it was really good. Oh, it sounds so good. You know, um, pao bhaji is one of the dishes of Melbourne's second lockdown. There's, I can think of like three or four restaurants off, off the top of my head that are doing pao bhaji. Yeah, which is like a typical Mumbai street food. It just really takes me back. And I, it's so comforting because it's it's bread with that spiced potato filling. So it's carb on carb. And I think it's I think it's a dish that we all need right now. <laughs> but now I, now I think we need some with some spiced buttermilk fried chicken. Oh, my goodness. It sounds so good. So, yeah, so, you know, things that we've done in lockdown, like sometimes, um, you know, when I sit back and think, it's like, you know, I would have never imagined to do all these things if, you know, pandemic wouldn't have hit us. So, yeah, so working on our uh, ramen recipe, uh, but like it's a spicy miso ramen, you know, works like everybody loves it. Yeah. 
so so like a lot of things that we have done yeah it's it's quite uh you know it's fun yeah well i know that you lead a very i guess experimental team like you're always trying new things i remember going into the kitchen at mask um just before we had dessert and you showed me all these different jars of things you were preserving there was one fermented little jar or something and the label on it was the label on it said i think i think i said it said liquid fucking gold so it's like (laughs) you what was that actually (laughs) so so this um the last year we um we thought you know mangoes are some it's the king of fruits in india and and indians are obsessed with mangoes because honestly like i think we have one of the best mangoes that we produce in the world like they are like sh- like they, they they just taste like honey and uh, and you know we were just like in this like r&d discussion and we we're like you know what like you know we're not used like mango in any other like form or texture and how can we es- extract a different flavor which is like as tasty as the natural one and and then we thought okay you know let's do the blackening process it'll take two months so we blackened the mangoes and uh, we got this like a juice after two months like you could see the bag filled with mangoes which are all like blackened now so we took the pulp out we preserved the pulp and because of the process it releases so much liquid so we collected all the liquid from the black mangoes and we tasted the liquid it was like like a sugar syrup but there was obviously no sugar it was all the natural sugars from mango which were legislated caramelized so we reduced that juice and it became like a honey like a black mango honey like and we were like thinking of like like what should i name is it honey no it's not technically honey but the consistency is uh, just like honey but the taste is like mango and we were so confused and you know one of us said like it's like it's fucking gold man it's like a black gold it's like there we go that's 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 the name like i think we should just name it liquid fucking black gold you don't need to discover so, a star out there in the universe because you've had your you've discovered your gold you've been able to name it and yeah it's, it's your the pinnacle of achievement i think it's yeah really beautiful <laughs> so i miss those you know i miss doing um, such fun stuff and you know sometimes you think uh, i don't know where we headed but i think it's very one thing which i've learned is like i think it's really important to be positive in in, in anything because it it's a trickle down effect positivity um, today you know when i enter the restaurant you know when you enter with like this positive vibe and a, and like and a happy vibe in the kitchen you know it's a trickle down effect to the person i'm working along with um, you know so so i think it's very important you know with the with the entire team to be so positive and create a really positive atmosphere um, so yeah so you know that's the least we could do spread happiness it's a big burden though as a leader and as an employer protects like to to maintain that positivity when in such a uh, such a state of upheaval but that's that's what i feel i i think you know it is sometimes you know you're in crossroads because you know back of my mind i'm thinking about oh my god like you know i have to pay a vendor and we need to get some money in the bank and 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 in in front of me like you know there is this is my there's my team member like working really really hard you know pushing himself and uh, you know it's it's so it for for me also it's so important that you know i stay positive because if i am positive i can see like you know five other people who are working with me they are like you know if i'm taking one step they are ready to take 10 steps so for, like it's so encouraging just to see like people really pushing at this point of time and really working hard so that you know the hard work of last 3 or 4 years is is all saved um but as a leader it's very important to 
really be practical in our in our approach right now and it's not about us it's about the community that you have in and around you know i think that's very important and 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 there's so much poverty in india you know we were initially we were so lucky to raise a lot of funds for people uh, who were jobless who were homeless and uh, and i think you know uh, you know whatever we could do we did and we raised a lot of money just to feed those homeless people so i think as a as a chef you know it is not about just a restaurant which is which is important because that's 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 your ecosystem but at the end of the day you need to be a responsible citizen responsible human being um and i think that's where you know my philosophy also comes in because the first thing that we did was when we started deliveries as like you know we need to feed people we need to feed hungry we need to feed people who can't fend for themselves right now because situation is not normal so while we were doing deliveries we partnered with an ngo which helped we worked together to help a lot of uh, needy people a lot of homeless people just food just just like serving them food so you know it's it's very important yeah just to you know look around look around yourself in in whatever part of the world you are so i mean india is a very different case so yeah well pratik you've got a very interesting backstory which i guess you know you've 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 endured hardship in your own life you had to leave kashmir as a child do you want to t- tell us about 1990 and and what happened then yeah it was i think it is one of the one of the experiences um i think uh, which when my you know i think i have personally no obviously now i've grown up and i was a kid back then but when i look back i think it has taught me so many things because 1990 um you know life was set for my parents and we had a great life house and uh, suddenly from that life uh you know one day you're waking up in your house and the very next day you're 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 waking up in a refugee camp so i think at that point of time um you know i think i would i would say my parents were really I don't know how they felt honestly. I'm sure it was so much mental and physical pressure on them uh when they were when we were forced to leave from our from our own state. Um it was for a lot of reasons um uh, that they had to leave and primarily it was because of their own safety and the safety of their kids. Um so at night we had to leave uh in in at, at midnight uh we packed our bags and uh, and we had to leave for refugee camps and i think they started a new life um in those refugee camps because li- I mean, life was so much settled back then for them um and and leaving everything behind leaving your home behind and uh, and after spending some time in refugee camps you get the news that uh your your house has been torched by by terrorists uh imagine how you would uh, you would feel wow so so you know i think one thing um you know i keep talking about is that my my mother keeps saying because imagine uh, at that point of time my mom was my age little maybe little like couple of years elder and uh, imagine going through that phase in life and she was like you know however big or smaller you become I, you know you should always keep your head down and feet to the ground because you know you know time is never the same and she keeps telling me this you know you can earn a lot of money you can earn a lot of fame 
but it's useless if it's not used for good so i think you know when when we spoke about uh, you know sense of community and feeding the people it is it is purely coming out from my own personal experience because in those refugee camps the truck would come and they would serve you tomatoes or basic like rice or lentils uh and salt and you would see like people flocking around for basic necessities um you know sometimes a lot of people who are fortunate to have everything in life forget that you know there are so many people who are less fortunate and i think if we at this point of time in this times that we are in if we don't look after each other if we don't look after people who have lesser than what you have then i think you know i think we we failed as humans so so i think all those experiences has really made me what i am today uh professionally and personally both it's it, what you do with your your food the way you think about your restaurant as a community it's it's there's part of it which is looking back to kashmir and and those ingredients and that food culture from the north of india but you're also such an outward looking chef and person you know you're you travel internationally a lot you've studied in new york you've staged at i think at alinea and noma is that right and how do you tell me about your journey as a chef and you know was did you always have that sort of kashmiri sensibility or was that something that you sort of circled back to after you had some experience cooking other types of food you know i was i was cooking in 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 india when i when i started out and uh, and i had this dream of working for thomas i was obsessed with thomas keller <laughs> like as like a, when i was 18 19 and as like you know i used to i mean for me like he was like everything because the first time i touched french laundry i was like i have to go there i have to work i wrote to him bunch of times but of course like you know he, he never replied <laughs> and i was like you know i have to get to us so you know i took a home loan i uh, sorry student loan and i mortgaged my father mortgaged his house because he was like you know if you have got to do this i will put everything to get the money from bank and you go chase your dreams and i think i'm i'm grateful for that wow uh, what he did and he put down his home papers to the bank is like you know these are my home papers i can mortgage my entire house and uh, you can loan him the money um and you know so he, so yeah, he can study so um I, i i went to us and started at french laundry finally and per se and you know i moved around and then noma happened in between and i moved back to new york um and uh, at one point of time in my life i was like you know i need to come back to india honestly at that point of time i was i had so many experiences in me whether it was noma or whether it was alinea or whether it was spending like a very very brief amount of time at, at laundry i mean i was professionally i was a very different person but i would say i was also confused um uh, when i came back to india i started traveling i went to kashmir spent time with my parents I and I started traveling India just I just wanted to understand because for me one of the biggest influence also I would say was spending some time at Noma it was not about what they do and how they run the restaurant it was about the thought process which acted as a seed in my head and I was like you know a restaurant like that in Scandinavia which is for 6 months of the time of the year it's dark there's nothing like you know it's so cold it's so dark and still they manage to create a restaurant which celebrate their own country their own produce their own flora and fauna the wilderness the ocean they're able to 
really celebrate each and every part of that country and i was like i'm sitting on a gold mine and you know it's so unfortunate that we don't talk about it i think that was the seed that you know it was planted in my head then and when i moved back to india i started traveling india to understand and i think it opened my head traveling within india opened my head and when i and when i started discovering like so many these amazing berries and plants and like food from himalayan region and india is a very diverse country uh, and you know like how diverse it can be every like 200 kilometers everything changes language food how people eat techniques so i think that's that's you know i was so inspired and it just opened my head i was like you know we need to do we need to talk about it we need to tell people the real what real india is all about india is not about naans and biryanis and butter chicken it is 29 countries put together just like europe we have 29 states and every state has its own cuisine every state has its own culture every state has its own story so you know so so that's why i mean i keep advocating india as this like 29 country cuisine it is not about three or four things which obviously are more popular but it is much more about regions it is much more about about those things so so i think everything like really when i open mask and this is what i wanted to uh tell the world uh, a story about this like a new india a story about india which was always there but nobody talked about it so inspiring so tell us about kashmiri cuisine like what is where what's some of the heart and soul of it so kashmir like it's very as as every state is very unique uh, in india kashmir is one of the unique very unique in terms of diversity in flora and fauna uh, you can because it's one of the states where there are perfect four seasons so you'll have a really harsh winter like you'll have a you'll have a 6 feet snow sometimes uh you'll have an amazing fall like you'll see like different colors and you have a beautiful summer so with these proper four seasons there's so much flora and fauna which grows like i would compare like lot of vegetables which are growing in uh in in kashmir to any produce in 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 france easily because we would eat dandelion as day to day vegetable we would eat purslain as day to day vegetables uh, we would eat lot of meat we would eat lot of cheese which is you know we we introduce this indian cheese in our menu which is made there um we would uh, we would eat a um, lot of berries so so you know when i when i really started studying um kashmir as a cuisine it was just so much driven by nature it was so much driven by uh seasons and it was so much driven by simplicity of food um we when we when people talk about india in in uh you know people talk about spices people say oh indian food is spicy i know this and that but you know if you understand kashmir it is uh you know we use spices but in a very like the food is so subtle food is not even spicy there like we would use lot of fennel powder we would we would just bit of turmeric we use spices as just like to flavor like not to give like heat to any dish so i think uh, for me it was uh, really inspiring to see and find all these ingredients um, i would travel and get berries i would get seabakthon um, i would get cloud berries like imagine like you know indian cuisine like when you talk about indian cuisine you talk about seabakthon and cloud berries and dandelion nobody would believe me They're like 
you know I, what like this is bullshit yeah <laughs> like oh no like what are you talking about like seabub thorn cloudberries dandelion purslain but you know that is what people in kashmir eat on day to day basis and when the season is there so my biggest my biggest fight was to convince indians about their own cuisine so i think i think that was the hardest step and to and and that's what i've been trying to convince also world that you know this is you know india is much more beyond like chicken tikkas and 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 naans it is it is it's so vast and deep and sometimes even like as a chef even i get like so lost in like all these ingredients so kashmir became because it is my hometown it became one source of inspiration and every month i would go uh talk to local farmers what they can do for me uh start picking berries and slowly and steadily it became a part of what i do at the restaurant also so that's what kashmir is all about in nutshell wow it's yeah so it's so inspiring i i remember um saying well you were doing a ladakh menu when i was there so i guess next to kashmir right and just even the the um seeing photos of you and your team like scrambling up hillsides to get to a bush to collect some berries and like it some of it's pretty intrepid like it's not just it's not like you're just wandering along like going to some fancy provador and just like you know choosing something off a shelf like you're really out there amongst it sometimes Yeah it's in the wild um you know going to ladakh is is a task um uh, because oxygen levels it's such a high altitude that you have to take blood thinners you have to take tablets to to just really get acclimatized to the to the altitude um right so so it's not a it's not a, a, a easy terrain to go to and it takes like 2 days to reach there and then you have to rest for one day because oxygen levels so down you need to get used to the weather and altitude and then you have to further travel into the deep to get those berries so um i miss it honestly um you know every year this time uh, i'm um you know i would i would travel because 6 months is shut you can't travel to that part of the country because it's heavy snow and the oxygen levels get really really th- like the air becomes really thin Yeah, wow. My god, I don't think I don't know if I told you about the time that I went to Ladakh and I was on the bus coming down on a mini bus coming down and the bus the bus broke down. Oh. And the guy the driver was like yeah well it's probably like 3 days we'll get apart so yeah just just hang out <laughs> and so hang out for 3 days like oh yeah so i was like well this isn't really going to work so we just started walking down the hill and that really wasn't going to work because it was like full himalaya just like hairpin bends it was so muddy and um in the end we hitchhiked on a potato truck and i sat on the top of this truck and you know those trucks they're like swaying like everything's yeah. just balanced on there <laughs> so i was just swaying down the mountain like through the night um sitting yeah on this truck it was when i think about it now i mean i just think <laughs> i wow. miss the wow. whole idea of tra- of travel so much i would even sit on a potato truck all night <laughs> if i could travel to india again this is incredible this is i i had no idea about the story i didn't think we we like we spoke about this story i don't think i had a chance to talk about i was too excited by the liquid fucking gold and the yak <laughs> cheese and the patty snails and the lamb hearts and all the things oh. that i was eating but yeah um it was definitely uh an interesting adventure in ladakh but like so so striking yeah which year was this oh it was like a million years ago uh-huh. it was like it was when i was i was i used to 
travel, be a travel writer for Lonely Planet. Uh-huh. So I was in, in India for a few months across the north. It's like late 90s or something. Oh, my God. And um, I, like, um, Ladakh wasn't part of what I was writing about, but I just went up there for a month just to hang out. So, yeah, this, the states I was covering was, yeah. That's incredible. So you stayed for a month. Yeah, <laughs> a month and three days because it took me a little bit longer than I thought to get down the mountain. <laughs> But yeah, oh my! Wow. I just—I mean, so so you understand Ladakh? I don't—I don't think I understand anything about India. You know, I just feel like I just love India so much, and I love the diversity, and I really—I really get what you're saying about it being all these different countries because it's so different, like different languages. There's so many, yeah, so many religions. Um, just so many different histories intertwined. It's such an amazing country, and I just can't imagine. I can't. I mean, it's so much itself, you know, like I just can't imagine what it's like there at the moment. And is and is monsoon coming to Mumbai now as well? Well, we are in the peak of the monsoons, by the way. <laughs> right. So how is that with a monsoon and a, pan, and a pandemic? And I just, yeah, I just, I don't know, my mind is just can't quite grasp it. It's great. Life is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, amazing. No, I mean, we're just trying to really... Um, you know, be really balanced in a way that, you know, we know, we know we're in this like heavy monsoon and pandemic and trying to make sure we're doing deliveries and takeaways and save the restaurant. Um, Honestly, like now we're at the stage where we're like, okay, we know like this is what it is and we just need to sail through. Uh, Not to think about it too much, make sure we're all protected, make sure we're all safe um, and look beyond that. I think it's very important to look beyond that uh, because, you know, it's a reality now. Uh, so we need to accept that and move past it and make sure, like, you know, we are ready for anything now. So I think, yeah, staying positive is the mantra for, for all of us right now here at Mask also. Wow. Prateek, it's so amazing to talk to you. I just love where you're coming from. I love your attitude and I, I'm sure everyone like feeds off your energy and your in your team and the community that you've built around mask um thank you so much for sharing some of yourself with us today it's uh i know people in australia are going to find it so inspiring and anyone who wasn't already planning a trip to mumbai when we're allowed to is now planning one so i personally i can't wait to come back to your restaurant thank you so much whether it's a burger or some yeah (laughs) i'll eat whatever you put in front of me no thank you so much it's it, it was really a pleasure and uh, and honestly personally i really can't wait to be back in australia because last time when i was there i had a blast i loved the country i loved the people people are so warm and honestly i had i had one of the best times in melbourne sydney byron bay like people i met the chefs i met people i met um and i really really can't wait to be back um so i hope we all sail through this we all survive and we all can hug each other back. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sending you a big hug. And, yeah, good luck. We'll talk to you. We'll Thank talk you. talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Thanks Danny. for take. Yeah, take care. This is Dirty Linen, and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. 
Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.